Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Our Sacred Scripture reading for today comes from the book of Luke chapter 2. This is kind of a continuation of where we left off last week. So last week we started with the beginning of Luke. And it's the typical passage where we see Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, and she has the baby Jesus in a manger. And then just after that, we find ourselves out in the field, and the angels show up, and they announce to these shepherds that the Christ child has been born, and he's lying in a manger. And so the shepherds are on their way to go and see this baby that has been born in Bethlehem. And so here's where we pick up the story. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. So as you know, we are in the midst of a series that we're calling an Advent of Care, where we're focusing on this season of Advent of asking the question, how can we care well for ourselves in the midst of a busy season? After a busy fall, after a lot that's been happening, how can we take care of ourselves? How can we have energy? How can we have rest and find space to show up well for ourselves and for one another in this season, which often has a lot of expectations, a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams, a lot of you know, excitement, a lot of pressure, anxiety. How can we care well for ourselves? And so last week, we focused on not living into the expectations of others, about letting go of some of the expectations of other people, recognizing that we can't always meet expectations that are put on us. And so how do we navigate letting some of those expectations go? This week, I wanted to celebrate what is. So how can we celebrate what actually is happening? Um, And that can be kind of challenging, right? It can be challenging to actually celebrate what we do have, especially when life's been challenging or difficult, uh, especially when this season may be a season of grief, not just a season of celebration around a tree, but maybe this season is hard. And so how can we celebrate what is happening. So I was trying to think of how do I want to start this message, and I thought of a lot of really heavy stories of things that didn't go well, a lot of hopes and dreams or, or, or things that I thought I wanted to see happen that I needed to be able to celebrate what is, things with family, things with friendships, things in my past. And then I was thinking, okay, I got to have a lighter story. 
So here's a really, really light, cheesy story for the celebration of what actually is. So last night, uh, my wife and I watched a show, and then she, we went to go to back. We went to bed, and I was like, I want to watch the Lakers game because they were playing the Pacers in this in-season tournament final. And so I put on the game after walking the dog, and she just cuddled up and fell asleep right next to me. And and it was great. I was watching the game. She's asleep, and then we have this hundred-pound Saint Bernadoodle, and he like woke up like it was the morning. Like, and I was like, look, he, and he looked at me because he knows I'm the one that takes him out. I'm the one that walks him. I'm the one that feeds him. And he wasn't getting anything from me. I'm like, dude, it's like 11. Just go to sleep. And so he just looked at me funny, like, wait, it's not morning. And then he did this thing that he always does, which is he likes to just put his head right on the bed next to someone's face to see if they can get their attention. And so my wife is like out cold next to me and he plops his huge St. Bernardino face right next to her face. And I anticipated her waking up and screaming. And I was like, this is the moment. And I even started anticipating how funny this was going to be and started laughing at the future, but it never happened. And I was like, oh, come on. This was the moment. This was going to be amazing. She was going to wake up and scream and I was going to laugh at her. Instead, I just had to celebrate that I have a wonderful wife who's sleeping next to me. I got this wonderful dog. I'm watching the Lakers game and I'm thinking about church tomorrow morning. And so I just had to stop and celebrate the moment that it was, even if it didn't actually turn out the way I wanted it to. Oh, I wanted her to be so scared. It would have been so fun. And I know she would have been scared because earlier while I was watching the game, I coughed really loud and she was like, Jason, and she like grabbed me and I was like, just a cough, like nothing else. Anyway, so it would have been epic. Anyway, okay. So here's the thing about the Christmas story that we've been reading in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. There's the extraordinary, the ordinary, and the awful. There's, these, are the, these are three different versions of how this story could have taken place. Now, we all know that the extraordinary did not happen. The extraordinary would have been that Jesus was born into this grandiose moment, that it would have been this, like, all of heaven and earth and all the people and all the palaces and the kingdoms of the earth and this whole celebration that the Christ has come and the whole earth would have been put back into into rest, into peace, and shalom would have just come with the Christ child, and it would have just been this extraordinary moment, and that's not what happened. It's not what happened. Mary and Joseph are this couple that are kind of on the fringes because there's this pregnancy that takes place before it should have happened and they are not really accepted by their community anymore and they're going to Bethlehem and there's no room for them to find rest. And so we know the extraordinary thing doesn't happen. Now you're looking at me and you're like, well, it kind of was extraordinary that like Jesus was born. Yes, I know. I know that God being born into a human body as Jesus is very extraordinary. But I'm just talking about the perspective that Mary and Joseph had. Mary's got this perspective of, I'm birthing the Christ child. This is a miraculous thing that's happening, and yet it's not extraordinary. There's no kings and queens that are coming to pay homage to me. There's, there's nothing super special about that. We're going to have some shepherds come, and yes, we're going to have these magi from the east, but these are foreigners. These aren't even her own people. They're not even people that she would recognize. She'd be like, where did you come from? Well, we looked at the stars. Okay, that's interesting. Didn't see that one coming, but that's not going to come for a couple more years, actually. And so this moment of the birth in Bethlehem is not an extraordinary moment. Now, sometimes we think it's a really awful moment that it's that Mary and Joseph are finding themselves not accepted. And I know that that's the way I framed it last week. But there is a way of framing this story, of entering into it, and it's a little less awful than we sometimes tend to think it is. 
that this story could actually be an ordinary story. That the way that a, a household in Bethlehem in the first century would have been set up is that there was an upstairs guest room and there was a downstairs common room. In the common room, if the upstairs guest room had already been filled with family and the late arriving people were just getting there, that the downstairs would have been the common room where the family would have stayed, not the guests. So Mary and Joseph could have just been staying downstairs with their relatives. And in the first century, you didn't have a separate space for your animals very often. They often shared the common space with you on one side of it versus the other. So the animals would actually have been in the same living quarters as the family. And so when Mary and Joseph don't have a spot in the room, they're actually with their relatives downstairs with the animals, just like would have been normal. If you travel to Ethiopia right now, which I've done when my, we took our son back to meet some of his birth family, they, we were out on the way and we stopped and there was a, a hut, a, a home. And in that home, it was divided in half. And half of it was the living quarters and the other half was for the, was for the cow that, that the family had. And it was in the same, same room. And, 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 you know, of course, to me and to, to most of us, that looked a little strange. And we thought, well, that, this might not be the most sanitary thing. And yet this is where the family lived. This is where a birth would have happened. This is where death would have happened. This is where a common lunch would have happened. This is where they would have done a coffee ceremony. If guests were over, this is where everything happened. And so maybe, maybe it's less awful that Mary and Joseph didn't have room in the inn and didn't have room in the guest room. And they were placing him in a manger because maybe that was just an ordinary thing that happened in the first century. And that's okay. It's okay if it's ordinary. How many of us feel ordinary every once in a while? Isn't it nice that maybe Jesus was born into just an ordinary family, just trying to live day to day, trying to, you know, put food on the table, pay some taxes, hopefully all of them so we don't get in trouble, just going about our day. Maybe that's how Jesus was born. Maybe it was pretty ordinary. And I know that sometimes when we think about the shepherds, we think that the shepherds are this kind of scandalous group. And sometimes the, the scholars will say that, yes, the shepherds actually were some people that had done something wrong in community. And so they got to go and do the worst job in the community, hang out with the sheep all night long because sheep smell, sheep are kind of gross, even though they look really cute and fluffy, they actually are not that way. And so they had to go spend their time with the sheep. And then every time they came back from that job, they smelled like they had been in the fields with the sheep all night long, which would have not been the most ideal way to want to get a hug from someone is to be around someone that's been around sheep all night. And so people that were, with, that were shepherds were maybe the lowest people in the society. They had done something wrong and their punishment was to go out into the fields all night long with the sheep. Or maybe being the shepherd was just an ordinary job. Like David was with the sheep, and Moses was with the sheep on Mount Sinai. Maybe being a shepherd was normal. Maybe it was a punishment, but maybe it was also just an ordinary job. How amazing that the angels just showed up to people doing their ordinary, simple job. They're out there doing the job that's the most common thing in their their family, most common thing at that time, and then all of a sudden the sky is filled with the heavenly host, praising God and singing hallelujah and announcing the birth of the Christ. Maybe they were the lowest people in the community, and how beautiful if that's the case, that God shows up to the lowest, those that society has outcast. Maybe it's like the angels showing up in the prisons and saying, good news, the Christ has come. 
Or maybe it's showing up at a random elementary school to people who are just doing their job and saying, good news, the Christ has come. Maybe this announcement is both for the awful and the ordinary, which kind of makes it extraordinary, right? Mary would have wrestled with all of this. We could imagine her trying to figure out how to navigate the complexity of what she's going through. This miraculous birth, but yet it's in these unique circumstances. It's maybe an ordinary thing. Maybe it's an awful circumstance. We don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that it probably wasn't what she expected. And so how does Mary navigate it? And we have this beautiful little line that we just read, that she treasured everything that people were saying in her heart, that she took it in and she appreciated the moment for what it was. And sometimes I was, as I was preparing for this, I was kind of like, I wonder how she did that. I wonder how she prepared well for that moment. And so I have something a little less scholarly for you for the rest of this sermon. I have a top 10 list. Um, some of it is meant to be a slightly humorous or just interesting, and some of it is meant to be like meaningful. So I'm just going to ask that you go with me on this one for a little bit. So number one, how to celebrate what is. We have to tell an honest story. And I think this one really does connect to what Mary's going through. I think Mary is in this spot and she's able to treasure what is being said about the Christ child, being said about her and Joseph. I think she's able to appreciate it, take it in, treasure it in her heart because she's telling an honest story. I think a lot of times we don't tell an honest story, either to ourselves or to others. I think we tend to tell a story that's either a little bit darker and makes us more of a victim, or we tell a more grandiose story to make us ourselves the hero. How many times are we willing to just tell the honest story about what we're going through? And then I think Mary probably told a better story. Because if we understand how emotions work and how our, how our trajectory works, we recognize that the first step is to tell an honest story, and then the second part is to start telling a better story. Because sometimes an honest story can be a really hard story. Sometimes an honest story can be a very painful story. But there's also a story that can get better. There's a story that there's a trajectory that's got full of love, and it's full of joy, and it's full of hope. It's full of faith, and it's full of peace. So how can we start to tell a better story? Sometimes I wonder if Mary started telling an honest story. I'm a teenage woman who got married out of, got, got pregnant out of, out of marriage. Everyone thinks this is a scandal. No one's making room for me upstairs. They're making me have this kid downstairs with the animals. It might kind of be ordinary, but also it'd be nice to be upstairs in the guest room as opposed to down here with the cow. And so that's the honest story. Well, maybe the better story is, oh my goodness, this child is going to be God incarnate. This is the with us God. This is the one who's going to bring hope to the hopeless, who's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the one that's going to be the one that saves all of us, and I get to be its mother. Ooh, honestly, that's hard. But also, that's really beautiful. How can I tend well to that? How can I cultivate that with patience? How can I be this mother? So how can Mary both be telling an honest story and then also tell a better story. And how can we do that in order to appreciate the moments that we have? Part of navigating and celebrating what is, is we have to be people of forgiveness. Sometimes we are, play a role in our own story, and it's not a good one. Sometimes we do things where we make choices, we say things, we do things that are not the most helpful, and we set off a trajectory that's not going to find ourselves in the ideal situation 
We're going to find ourselves not invited. We're going to find people not wanting to be around our table. We're going to have some hard things. And maybe that means that we're not going to have the Christmas that we wanted to. We're not going to be able to appreciate this the same way. And so what do we do? Well, it's going to start with forgiving yourself. How can you forgive yourself when the thing that you have or the the Christmas that's coming down the road isn't what you thought it was going to be? If you've played a role in in that becoming that, how can you you forgive yourself? How can you remove the debt that you have over your own head? How can you say, you know, yeah, I made a mistake, but the first step is I got to I got to forgive myself so I can move forward. And then likewise, how can you forgive the other person? If someone's done something wrong to you and it's affecting the future that you're about to have, the Christmas that is, how can we forgive that other person? How can we remove the debt that we have over them? How can we say, you know, I don't want this to get between us anymore. It might not fix everything. It might not change anything. It might not make it better. We might not have something beautiful. But in order for me to appreciate what I have, in order for me to celebrate what truly is going to be the reality, how I need to, I need to forgive someone. And forgiveness is really hard. I don't want to just skate over it, even though I am going to skate past it here in a second. But forgiveness is really heavy and really hard. We've talked about it multiple times in different sermons, and we're probably going to keep having it come up because it's one of those big themes of Scripture. But in order to celebrate what we have, we have to do some hard, forgiving work. For many of us, in order to celebrate what is, we have to grieve. Grief is a part of life. Many of us know it way more than we should. One way to be able to celebrate what you do have is to plan for a time to grieve. That sounds kind of weird. I totally understand that. But it's okay to just say, you know, I'm going to grieve now so that when Christmas Eve comes or Christmas Day and it's not what I wanted it to be and it's not what it should be and it's not the way I thought it was going to be, instead of it hitting you like a freight train, Process it. Talk about it. Schedule time to think and to process what could have been and what you may need to grieve. And that doesn't mean it's not going to come up. It doesn't mean that a wave of grief may hit you in the moment. It doesn't mean that life won't be hard. It doesn't mean that you'll just suddenly have the most perfect Christmas ever. I mean, let's not sugarcoat something that's real. But when we stop and we pause and we plan, it can sometimes Help us navigate it. And so schedule time to process what you've gone through. Schedule time to spend some moments in that. I got to be honest, number five is one that I hate because I'm not a big fan of this, even though I should be. Create a gratitude list. I hate making lists like this. It just I hate journaling. I hate when people say, you know what you should do at the end of the day is sit down and write the five things that God showed up in your world. And I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. You want to know what I want to do at the end of the day? Go for a walk, watch some sports, and go to sleep. I don't want to like make a gratitude list. But you know what? It's helpful, okay? It really, really is. Here's the thing about lists. I know that as we're going through this, some of these are like connected to Scripture, and some of these have nothing to do with the Bible, and you're maybe judging or you're thinking like, oh, it doesn't really match what we're talking about today. Yeah, well, whatever. It's my list. I use chat. I use chat GPT to figure this out. I totally did not. Um, 
No, sometimes these are going to work. And some of you are going to look at this and say, well, that doesn't resonate with me at all. Okay, good. Then don't do that one. But here's the thing. When you're trying to figure out how can I move into a season of celebrating what truly is, there's something on this list that you're going to have this moment where you're going to be like, oh, I know that one's right, but I don't like it. Guess what? That's the one. That's the one for you. Because when you know in your gut that it's the right thing to do, but then you start thinking about how you don't want to do it, that's when you know it's the right one. I think this is the one for me sometimes. Because in my, in my gut, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that. But then in my brain, I'm like, it would be so much easier not to. It's probably the one for me. So what's the one on this list for you? What's that one that in your gut you know you need to do? Maybe it's forgiving yourself. Maybe it's forgiving someone else. Maybe you need to tell an honest story. Maybe you need to tell a better story. But what's that? What's the one on this list that you know in your gut you got to do, but your brain is telling you, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier if we didn't do this one. So think about that as we continue on this list. Number six, start a new tradition. Sometimes things happen and life is going to be different. The trajectory is going to be different. The path is different. The, the, the people that we normally celebrate with aren't, we're not, are not available to celebrate with. They're on vacation, whatever is going on. And so how can we start a new tradition to, in, in order to celebrate what we do have? When my, when my grandparents passed away and it was time for something new, we had a Christmas at our house and it like fell flat. We tried to recreate all the magic of being at grandma's house. We tried to recreate all the magic of the big family dinner, even though there were like four of us and it just did not work. And it was like, it it became a conversation of why wasn't Christmas fun this year? And everyone seemed to be a little down and everyone seemed to be upset. And I was like, well, there's four of us. There used to be like 30 of us. Like, how can we have the same amount of fun with four that we used to have with 30? It's just not going to work. Like, we're not downstairs playing ping pong and everyone's yelling and we're putting on old records. And like, it's just not the same thing. And and so it was like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. Let's go see a movie. And it was like, we don't want to be one of those families that goes and sees a movie on Christmas. And I was like, why not? Like, what's wrong with, like, starting a new tradition? You know, who knows? Like, 10 years from now, we might look back on it, and everyone's excited to go to the movies together and buy popcorn, and and everyone's got their favorite little candy they get to put in their popcorn. Like, who knows? Maybe there's a new tradition that we should start doing together. And so how can you think of a new tradition that maybe enlivens and helps you celebrate the Christmas that you do have, the the season that we get to have? Number seven. Post it your joy. Not just post your joy, post it your joy. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we need little reminders that life's not as bad as we think it is. Sometimes we need little reminders of what is where we do find joy. And so get a, get a pack of post-its and put them in a place that you see, but not everybody else in the world sees. We're not going to be passive aggressive and leave notes for our kids around the house or put you know, notes up on the fridge that says like, thank your mom. <laughs> like, okay, we don't need to do that. But Put some post-its on the mirror so when you're getting ready, you get reminded of what you find joy in. Like find a way to remind yourself consistently of the beauty that is this season. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It doesn't have to be something incredibly meaningful and life-altering. And if everybody in the world knew this, then, then the whole world would be full of peace and happiness. No, it could just be for you. It could just be a note that reminds you of the joy and the goodness of this season, the season that you do get to have. So post it your joy. Number eight, create a tangible reminder. Now, some of you are like, nope, don't do crafts. Okay, don't do that, number eight. This is where the list fails you. 
Okay? But for some of you, you love this idea. You can't wait for family game night so that you can celebrate 2023 Christmas at peace and make the reindeer decoration with teal because you want a tangible reminder of this season. Awesome. Great. This is, this is an opportunity to do that. But find a tangible way to remind yourself and the people in your life of this celebration, of this moment, of this Christmas. Maybe it's a special little ornament that you're going to give everyone. Maybe it's a special dessert that you get to take a picture of and be reminded of the next year. Whatever it is, like find a tangible way to remind yourself and others of this season, the Christmas that you do get to have. I have a bonus one for you because everything so far on this list has been positive, but I have one negative one. um, And so I called it a bonus. Stay off social media. So this is a negative. This is something I'm going to tell you to refrain from. Everything else has been engage this, do this, write this, create this. This one's a don't do. If you are worried about how you're navigating this season and being able to celebrate the season that you do have, do not go on social media during this holiday season because all you're going to see is people celebrating their greatest moments ever. That's it. No one posts pictures of a bad hair day, right? No one posts pictures of their worst Christmas. They always post pictures of the things that they want to celebrate and they want others to celebrate with them. And so please, if you're, if you're anticipating a hard Christmas, if you're anticipating one where it's going to be hard to navigate and you just don't know if you're going to be able to latch on to all the joy that it normally has to offer, I would stay away from social media because it's going to be a cesspool of happiness that you might get depressed by. Okay? Yes. That is a new phrase, cesspool of happiness that you may get depressed by. We should make t-shirts. Number nine, celebrate daily. Find ways daily to celebrate the season. Doesn't have to be big things. Doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Just find a way to celebrate daily to be reminded that this is a season where we're anticipating, we're preparing, we're waiting for the Christ to come. And we get to celebrate that Christ is with us, that hope and love and joy and peace are birthed and that we get to carry that forward into the world. Find a way to celebrate that daily. And then here's the thing. I had a really hard time thinking of a 10th one. I got to be honest. I was like, okay, it can't be a top nine. No one does top nine lists. You got to do a top 10. And so I was thinking about it and thinking about it, and I was like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. And I thought, hmm, maybe lower your expectations. That's what I did. I punted on number 10. This is a fake one, right? So maybe we just need to lower our expectations, celebrate the Christmas, celebrate the season for what it is, because this season can be special. This season can be meaningful. This season can be unique and different, and it's not going to be the same. Maybe it is going to be exactly the same, and you can't wait to go on Facebook and see everyone else's celebration and celebrate yourself. I don't know. But how can we celebrate what is? How can we make this moment a meaningful one? How can we make this experience with these people a meaningful moment to treasure? Because after this holiday season, we never get this one again. So let's celebrate this one for what it is. Mary had some stinky shepherds who may have been the lowest people in her community show up to her door and to say, guess what we saw? We saw an angel in the sky tell us that the Christ was born here. And she may have been sitting there thinking, 
this is the worst circumstance I can possibly imagine. And then suddenly, the smelliest people, the ones that we had kicked out of community and told to spend the night with the sheep, are telling me that this is a miracle, that are telling me that this is Christ come, reminding me of what is. And Mary took all that in to celebrate what is, because that's the best that she had. That's what she had. So let's celebrate what we have as we navigate this Christmas season. Let's pray. God of this present moment and all the moments to come, help us to be present to the moments. Help us to be reminded that you are with us. Help us to appreciate what is. Help us to grieve what isn't. Help us to navigate through it, to get help in that grief process if we need to. Help us to do whatever we need to, to be present to the people in our life that we have near us. Help us to be people that tell an honest story, that tell a better story. Help us to be people of forgiveness. Help us to be people of gratitude, even when we don't want to make the list. God, help us to be people who are willing to engage daily the rhythms of this beautiful creation with the beautiful people you've put in our life. Help us to be people who can celebrate what is so that we can make this moment, this time together, special. Trusting that when we do that, we carry peace and we carry love. And most importantly, in, in this day, we carry joy with us into every moment of every day. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So a couple quick announcements before we dive into our service today. For any of you that have yet to fill out your stewardship card, your pledge card, please feel free to do that. The pledge cards should be located at one of the exits if you still want to fill it out there. Otherwise, you can always email me and I can forward you a link to do so. Family game night is coming up next weekend, um, next Sunday. Teal is going to be leading the uh, holiday uh, craft and it's this wonderful reindeer decoration. There's an example of it sitting on the table next to the treats right uh, in the commons there. And it, it, it is actually that cool. Um, so that's not just like an online picture of like a, a, like a better version of what it will actually be. No, it actually is that good. So I can I, we can all see it and it's really great. And then finally, Christmas Eve, we will have two services. Our family service will be Sunday morning um, at 10 o'clock at our normal 10 o'clock time on Sunday morning. And then we will have our carols and candles at 9 p.m. So as you're making family plans, we will not be having a four o'clock service for all those of you that have come to uh, experience that. We will be doing that service at 10 a.m. And then we'll have a 9 p.m. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.